to Mind Crime Liberty Show with me, Susan Dobson, and him, Tim Patton. Today we discuss, should we trust the experts? Now, if you haven't been living in the cave in Afghanistan uh, for the last 18 months or so, uh, you will have realised that the media are always telling us that we should trust the experts, because the experts know everything there is to know about coronavirus, COVID-19, SARS-CoV-2, whatever you want to call it, and we should just trust what they say. Now, the question is, well, should we? Um, it, it is interesting when you get the people in the media saying trust the experts. It's, it happens to be the experts that they think are saying the right things. So, for example, uh, people such as uh, uh, Jay Bhattacharya, if I get his name right, is a professor of medicine at Stanford who is very much against lockdowns and says they're the worst public health uh, decision effectively of all time. Uh, but, well, he's not the right expert to listen to. Well, because, well, effectively, because they disagree with what they think is true, which then, of course, brings into the que into question uh, to begin with, you know, do, do they really actually have any independent criteria as to what constitutes an expert? And secondly, you know, whether or not they really ought to listen to them at, at, at all or for what reason you should listen to them. So I thought it would be interesting if we discuss, you know, you know, what actually is an expert? You know, why should we trust them and, and when should we trust them? It just seems to be obvious that we do take account of expertise to some extent in the, in the general world. But can we distinguish certain uh, situations and uh, in which it's more worthwhile taking into account an expert opinion and other ones uh, where, where it's not. Um, so, Tim, um, first question then is, and I think possibly one of the most important one here is, what actually is an expert? How would you go about conceptualizing the idea of expertise? Interesting question here. I guess I'd have to ask an expert to understand um, what question, whom, what experts to to ask here, which is sort of like the enigma in itself here. You know, I think Sean Connery in The Untouchables, I forget the character name, says, who do you trust when there's no one to trust? You go outside of the sphere. He's speaking of like the Chicago Police Department. Again, I don't, I'm not a fan of Prohibition, but I do think The Untouchables is a good movie, and I do think Sean Connery is a good actor. Um, uh, but you go outside of the corrupt Chicago Police Department to find a young recruit who becomes this sort of sidekick. Um, so so who, it goes back to the question of like, who do you trust here? I mean, you can't just say, well, let's need an expert in experts. One, Nassim Taleb, the old Nassim Taleb of, of a few years ago, not the sort of Edward Snowden hating uh, lockdown supporting version, big pharma supporting version that's current there, uh, had wrote an uh, article entitled Intellectuals Yet Idiots. Um, and that was an interesting piece. And it was someone, a very astute commenter, said that what Nassim Taleb is doing is being, a, I think Russ Roberts said the same thing. He's being sort of an anti-expert expert. Um, um, so maybe that's what we need. We need anti-expert experts to decide who is and isn't an expert here. I guess those could be epistemology philosoph philosophies of epistemologies, epistemology. Uh, maybe that's 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 what we could ask. Uh, uh, this 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 debate over who exactly is and isn't an expert, I mean, is is not a new debate uh, in any way. I mean, in a certain sense, it's related to the you know the Reformation uh, historically. You know, whose interpretation of of you know various texts and what doctrines you can sort of delineate from those texts is sort of you know the Lutheran question in itself. Uh, you know, is is radical feminism could could that be adopted from ran, uh, certain things in Corinthians or Romans out of it? And it's of some questions, who knows? You know, maybe maybe the Quakers at the time couldn't, but you could you could you could track that way of interpretation, textual interpretation, go either way. Uh, so yeah, so the question of who you know what doctrines can you adopt out of any given uh, you know things because the science, so to speak, which is a modern expert, doesn't read itself. You know, what we're really doing is we're just talking about authoritative sources of the experts, you know, various state universities and state credentials credential by the state. So oftentimes what expert means 
is what the state or the official position is, uh, you know, the sort of party line. It's very much true in the United States. I would say, sorry, conservatives, I'd say there's sort of always been a kind of position like that. You know, what exactly, no golden age, so what exactly is the position? I'm not sure. Uh, but, you know, clearly in the coronavirus, we had whatever you want to call it. We had a, you know, anyone who isn't by buying a certain line, it can change monthly. As we saw with the policy and mask, it changed monthly, um, you know, because the the, the, the things change. Uh, so as to who it isn't, isn't, who is and isn't an expert? It's a it's it's a very it's a very much of an enigma question. Uh, uh, you know, is Alex Jones an expert, for example, on the U.S. government? I'd say in a lot of ways, Alex Jones is an expert on you know various uh, subplots of the U.S. government uh, and put them together. You know, is Graham Hancock an expert on ancient history? Who knows? I mean. One of the problems here is really with epistemology, what we can know. A few weeks ago, we just did an episode with um, terminal philosophy and the errors of historians, and so to speak. That's a very interesting topic there, the errors and blind spots of historians. I got I got that from Taleb also. Uh, you know, you started making anti-history, you know, to say, oh, we don't know anything that happened between these years, like, say, 1300 and 1400 in a certain time, a certain place. We just don't know what happened. Uh, we don't have any records. That'd be sort of an anti-history, uh, but there wouldn't be much of a market for it. Um, so, so I do think there are experts. Um, this was an, an old left-wing anarchist was asked this question. You see, the experts in boot making, for example. I do think in things which have physical objects as a product, there is expertise in, like, you know, aircraft engines or car engines or things like that. Uh, you know, you can have experts in that. I do think there are experts in practical language arts, so to speak. Like, if you, if you want to make a, a text that, if you want to write directions to assemble a piece of furniture, I do think I do think you want to make your English sort of, uh, not overly verbose, but not too verbose. I do think there is a language, you know, it's not it's not art. It's more of a practical art, so to speak. Uh, it, it's not it's not it's off uh, in la la land of subjectivity. You know, maybe I, I like complicated prose, some people could say. Uh, uh, so so now there might be experts in like the history of Shakespeare to what we know or the history of whatever uh, given figure. But I do think, as always, there is a huge amount of states and the mega the, the mega corpse, which is the classic Chomskyite and Jones position too, Alex Jones, where experts just mean whatever um, the state and the sort of backers of the state uh, say it is or isn't, uh, 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 and that, that sort of sucks, but I do, I, I, you know, if I break my leg, I'll go to a doctor, um, but if, and if I, you know, want to learn more about, uh, say a given time period of history, I'll go look at historians, um, in certain things, but, you know, you have to be aware that there's, these might be epistemology questions, right? what can we actually know? And those are to me very interesting through the limits here. So I think, what do you make of my rantings over who isn't and is an expert? I didn't really answer the question, probably. Uh, I guess that's a sign of good experts never to answer the question. Uh, but I don't really have a given advice here uh, on that. Swithin? I, I think you gestured towards uh, expertise and seemingly defining it in a somewhat uh, pragmatic sense. For example, my shoe is broken, I go to the cobbler. My leg is broken. I go to the doctor. Uh, that that seems a, a relatively um, pragmatic approach, which actually is something I'll get to later. I, I think this is an, another question: is well, wh what is the purpose of the expert? You know, why do we ask the expert? What is the goal? Um, that I think is a, a very relevant question, which we'll come to later. I was thinking about you know how you could define an expert, um, and I think in general, I think what we mean by someone having expertise is somebody who has uh, a large proportion of knowledge relative to the total possible knowledge uh, in a particular area. Um, so if there is a situation where we know basically what they're, what we can at least delineate a boundaries um, about, you know, what there is to know and what there isn't to know, um, then if someone has above average in, uh, knowledge of that, then we could consider them an expert in certain respects. So 
here, I mean, it'd be obvious. So you can have like comic book store guy from The Simpsons. Well, he is clearly an expert in particular comics. Well, why? Because the all the comics of a certain writer, I don't know, uh, let's say Grant Morrison, um, he has read all of them uh, and he has studied them multiple times. It's like, well, OK, he's probably an expert. Well, why? Because we've got an idea of what there is to actually know. Um, so in a sense, in the arts or human artifacts, in a way, it's kind of easier to be an expert because you can delineate, you know, the total sum of possible knowledge in a way that you can't in other areas, at least not to the same extent. The problem, though, it comes back to Donald Rumsfeld, though, is, well, there are unknown unknowns and there are known unknowns. Uh, you know, there's things you know, but you don't know. Now, I suppose that's relatively less of a problem if you know you don't know it and you can sort of delineate it but it's the unknown unknown which is a problem uh, and the question is well if you use my definition of extensive knowledge of a particular area if there's great uncertainty as in unknown unknowns let's define it in that sense about uh how much knowledge there, there there possibly is within that particular area then the importance of the experts at least everything else being equal would seem to diminish because they kind of really aren't an expert. They just so happen to know more than other people, but nobody really knows very much anyway. So, you know, does it really matter to the same extent? Um, so that would be sort of like my uh, general sort of definition. But then when it comes to, you know, which ones do I listen to? Um, as I say, this depends on your goal. So, for example, when you have a you're feeling ill. Will you go to the doctor? Why? Well, because you feel ill. Uh, your car is not doing what you wanted to do. So you go and see the mechanic and he can tell you uh, how to fix it, hopefully. Why? Or how does he know? Well, he's done them before. Uh, or at least he claims he's done them before. Other people you may know have been to him for a similar uh, uh, proce uh, procedure on the car and before, and it, it has been fixed and it works. Uh, and you've got review sites and various things. So this kind of makes sense. You know, you get back the trip advisor type. So for a restaurant, how would you know a good rest a restaurant is good? Will you, other people say it's good who have been? You know, you, you, and so you can look at those. And obviously, you can use other factors as well to determine you know, whether you think they are going to produce good food or not uh, in there. But then again, it depends on, on, on your goal. You know, if you don't like Chinese food, don't, don't go to a highly rated Chinese restaurant. Well, why? Well, because you don't like Chinese food. Um, because that, that wouldn't make uh, much sense. So there's a question of goal and there's a question of, of uh, do the, are the experts as a genuinely expert in, in a sense? And so I think in the cases where they're sort of, as you mentioned, physical, sort of empirically verifiable um, uh, data points, that you can go, OK, yeah, OK, uh, this guy has made clothes before, but people said were good and the clothing is quite standard product. You can re reproduce it. It's like, oh, yeah, this clothes is good. Oh, cars. Oh, uh, Mercedes have a good reputation. Oh, OK, well, we're going to make the car and some of the guys have the same car. So I'll buy the car. It's the same thing. It's replicable. And so I think the extent to which um, experts produce things which are replicable and sort of relevantly similar although that's uh, a very catch a very large qualifier as to what constitutes constitutes uh relevantly similar um is that w you can have good confidence that they're going to be able to do what they claim they're going to do so you've seen that british airways has pilots that go into the air and they fly and they take you to where you want to go okay well you can probably trust that they're going to do that and i think that's um, is perfectly reasonable to trust. So, uh, situation on a practical basis, I think the expert is you have a problem, you go to them, and they have some some empirically verifiable record. That said, of course, you don't need to always listen to the expert because I mean you could go to an expert just for information. So you could say, oh, how much will it cost to fix the car? Okay, well knowing that and having an expert uh, response, and let's suppose it is in fact that cost doesn't necessarily tell you either way what you should do and um, even the mechanic could say well it's not really worth doing but then he might not know that this car was maybe your granddad's car and you want to keep it going and therefore it's worth it for you to have it fixed 
So even in those cases, they can't necessarily guide your action uh, in a, as clear a way as you might um, originally uh, think. Um, so those would be sorts of the types of experts I would listen to, listen to. And I remember that people are experts, you know, art history, historians, they know things that you don't worth knowing. That doesn't mean they're right. But it's worth, you know, finding information out about them, of, of what they say and things and look at uh, competing sort of narratives as such. That's that's kind of worth knowing. So it's not to say that experts are, um, are useless. Rather, it's to, to say, well, well, useful for what purpose? Um, and the ones who have an empirically testable record, I think, are ones who are more like you're more likely to trust. What we've got really today, though, is a situation where with lockdown policy and epidemiology, what you've basically got is not empirical verifiability and a track record of doing things well. What you've effectively got is just um, uh, computer modeling. They are in the game of being expert predictors. Um, and that is effectively what their, their, their claimed expertise is. And this is the same with the quote unquote climate scientists is that well, they're just predictors that they don't actually do anything to provide a service that people can go, oh, yeah, it's good. They're just engaged in predictions. And when you say that their predictions are wrong, well, they're the best we could have known at the time. Uh, and and or will claim that well, actually what even though it looks like they were wrong, they weren't actually wrong. And that's kind of um, where where they go. So do you think that's a fair characterization uh, between of the um, lockdown epidemiologists and climate scientists, et cetera? And do you think I've contrasted them fairly with people like the engineer and the car mechanic and the chef? I would totally agree with your comparison here. Um, that the uh, th there's a huge difference between a carpenter and a you know a computer modeler. Uh, a carpenter has a piece of furniture to look at, whether it's a good piece or a bad piece. You know, there's certain limits and there's certain unlimited things. It's the same same way with uh, certain m much much science that is not explicitly explicitly with a capital E uh, practical. Um, you know the or or in practical in some sense, like a lot of physics is practical if you want to build nuclear weapons. Um, a lot of sort of advanced physics or 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 other areas like that, um, um, it, you do sort of need that kind of knowledge. Uh, but but the the more way you get from use, the less it can be judged, and it just sort of becomes a sort of internal discourse of uh, uh, like a sort of nerd nerdy internal discourse for better or for worse. Um, so I would agree. Uh, I, I would agree with that uh, 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 statement there. Do you have any other questions or do you want me to swear them? Um, no, all I was going to say was um, um, I think when it comes to what's particularly interesting about medical health, moving away from the global warming thing, is there's no um, obvious standard for human health in the way that there's a standard for a car. There is a standard version of the Mercedes E-Class and we know what it is, we know what the blueprints are and we can test um, whether or not the uh, version of the car matches up with the blueprints and that's how it's supposed to be. Thing is though, you don't really have such a thing in, with humans. And um, well, I, mean, sort of, I mean, an obvious thing here is you might come across, some of you come across the BMI measure for how fat you are. You come across that? Yeah. Yes, I did. And when I was in middle school, I was considered to be underweight. <laughs> it's notorious for being inaccurate in the extreme. I mean, I, 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 I'm clearly not as light as I should probably be. Nevertheless, for me to get in ideal is very difficult. I, I, I think possibly when I was married, I probably was, but I was at the upper edge of the ideal limit in uh, BMI measure um, because it doesn't take into account body shape and all these whole, whole other things. And what you're doing is, is, is it's uh, being based on a sort of standardized, um, standardized idea of like who's healthy and who's not. And this is how a lot of sort of medicine seems to go. It means you're, you're looking to see whether you are uh, out. I mean, so for example, I, my mother went for a blood test and 
her white blood cell count was relatively down and they were concerned about this but it's like she's never ill she's not like more ill she's not like she has aids it's it's not like she's ill all the time oh your white blood cell count is low it's oh this is, uh, oh that's probably the problem it's just a case they're just doing it for another purpose and it's like, oh white blood cell count is low it's like but low relative to what um and this is i think this sort of approach to sort of medicine and med- medical health is accentuated by uh the the concepts of public health because in a way a lot of the quote-unquote public health is all about the average oh we need to get people to eat different things and be different weights why well because we're measuring against this sort of the standard that we've created which doesn't actually exist now i'm not saying that there's not fat people who should be less fat than they are that's obviously true um but to create this uh just metric you can just read off a sheet uh i think is very anti-health and and really as a result probably well really of a centralized medical system uh which is primarily state controlled especially in england and it isn't something that's just responding to, you know, people going up, going, I'm ill, treat me. Uh, because if they, if, if that was really the case and that's how it was built, it would be based much more around sort of individual um, needs and sort of circumstance. Uh, and, you know, the experts, as it were, would be more attuned to the fact that all the patients aren't necessarily same. Now, that's not to say that they aren't, but rather this sort of like general sort of standardization of the approach when it comes to medical health. I think really just feed into this sort of top-down expertise um, puppet show, effectively, that we have in the current public health policy. Uh, Tim, do you think that's a fair characterization of the um, of the effect of this sort of standardized view of health on uh, policies of lockdowns, epidemiology? Uh, well, not epidemiology. Well, I suppose to some extent, epidemiology, um, lockdown policy and how this sort of contrasts with sort of cars or, or anything else you want to comment on i think the i think the i've always been i've been suspicious of doctors for as long as for a while now i've been suspicious of doctors for example i've been suspicious of doctors since i was in high school i've been suspicious of doctors i won't get into the exact reason why i'm suspicious of doctors but I, I, I'll, I'll just state something. I was slightly misdiagnosed, but for something, um, uh, which is a common, which is a common problem, um, and and then which might have led to other problems. So I've been suspicious of doctors. They are. I became more suspicious of doctors when I became something of a libertarian, somewhat of a you know right wing libertarian. Some right. I became more suspicious of doctors. I think. I think. I think because I think to a large extent the medical uh, apparatus is a sort of modern creation in a lot of ways um uh the you know the doctor thing uh, you, you know you guess michelle foucault of all people who again a postmodern conservative here uh enemy friend not enemy um talked about the medical gaze um and you know that, that's one of the sort of medical gaze you know it's a very interesting thing you know how authority i mean the two under criticized uh groups of people in society that have authority over people are doctors and uh teachers whether university professors who are, I mean, or, or public school teachers, there are people that are generally get empathy um, and they don't get, uh, and they have considered to be expertise. Um, 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 and, and this is where I think it's, it's disputed here. Uh, so, so I don't really, you know, I, I have about as much, opi- I have about the same opinion of doctors that like uh, the, the Black Lives Matter people have of American cops. Although, except the Capitol riot police, they have the great view of them because they're defending democracy. Um, um, so yeah, I have a sort of low view of 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 doctors at all. Again, if I do break my leg, I will go to a doctor. Um, um, but in there, you get back to health. And interestingly enough, people do break their legs. They do have like long term. You know, you can get like if you have screws put in your leg or something like that, you know, in 30 to 50 years, those screws might start coming out. Now, again, should you have gotten them in at the time? Yeah, of course. Of course. But even even when people have like you break their back and get something in, they do suffer long term problems. So if it's bringing people back to normal, um, in some ways, the broken car that has the new transmission is never as same or as good as the car with its original transmission to use a sort of physical analogy here. So the person who had Lyme disease 
um, even if they got cured of it, um, they're probably never the same as they were before they had Lyme disease. But that's a counterfactual there. I mean, again, uh, you know, you can you can try to avoid all woods, but that's a sort of draconian thing. Although people like doing draconian things, so maybe maybe that's the solution to fix Lyme disease. Um, so yeah, the, you know, the doctors aren't miracle workers um, um, in any sense, um, and there's a certain sense that they are viewed as such. You know, most many cancer treatments don't work, for example, and they just uh, you know people don't. Die. And there's many things, many drugs that people are given by doctors that don't uh, uh, cure people, you know, uh, and this sort of showed up in the FDA debate on. on now, David Friedman instantly argued that all David Friedman holds you that all drugs should be legalized. Um, but interestingly, you get to, like the regulatory state, the left regulatory state defenders like Sam Cedar, who say, well, if we didn't have the FDA, snake oils would be sold. Uh, I don't know. I mean, you know. There's sort of big snake oil rackets and there's small snake oil rackets. Uh, I think like Ritalin pills are big snake oil rackets. You know, a lot of these sort of and people like Nassim Taleb are correct that, you know, a lot of diabetes is manageable and it's much better to be manageable by not taking insulin. So so, yeah, the medical profession is 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 totally corrupted. Uh, I have a very low view of the medical professionals. Um, um, the only actually I, I do have a high view of the the nurses who are currently being laid off because they don't want to take another vaccine. Um, um, but in general, I don't view them as heroes. I mean, they're useful. They are useful in lots of situations. Uh, uh, but things like plumbing, I mean, that's extremely useful insofar as, you know, not having like, you know, waste in the street. That, that, that those, those people are extremely useful. Sand, you know, garbage men, um, those are the people that are are, are, are useful and account for a large portion of health. But those those are my overall thoughts on medical uh, expertise. Uh, I have a very low view of medical expertise. And I, I'd say they should be attacked as such. Um, and they don't have much use for me because, you know, if, if you're healthy, you have the least likely to go to the doctor. Um, and doctors should be avoided here. Um, and in olden times, they used to view hospitals like, death houses people go to die and that's sort of true um it's sort of correct anthropological insight uh that hospitals are uh you know they're not the nicest place to die many people when they're younger say they prefer to die at home for example rather than die you know attached to a tube in some air-conditioned you know check police headquarters hospitals look to hospitals in the united states have terrible architecture that's one thing i interestingly noticed um uh uh, but um, yeah, I, th those are my overall comments. Very low. So what then? Want to continue? Oh yeah, um, hospitals are horrible places. Um, I mean, they are useful to an extent. Although I, I do think uh, one of the reasons why people try and take um, drugs that they don't need to, and the experts can sell them to them, or well, maybe they say they don't, but the the, the they tend to take them. Is is basically because they try to sort of they, they they think that doctors can kind of get rid of death and pain, and they can sort of extend life indefinitely, because uh, they have no sort of conception. Well, I mean, you could claim of the afterlife of certain description. Um, the the, the the material life here is the only thing worth living, so we just need to extend it as as sort of far as possible, even if the quality is 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 terrible. Whilst at the same time, oddly in society, then we're kind of promoting euthanasia, which is kind of a really sort of co odd contradiction, but nevertheless um, seems to be the case. I mean, with with doctors, though, in general, I've I, I don't know. I, I seem to have a, a I have a higher view of surgeons than I have of physicians because surgeons can at least point something that's wrong and go, oh, that's wrong. This we need to fix it. It's fine. I had a problem with my thumb once. Um, oh, this is a fun story. I had a problem with my thumb because I was playing computer games too much and I changed the configuration on the um, on the keyboard, which caused me great pain eventually and like wasted away my muscle uh, because of the because of the way I had it. And then the, the doctor goes and said, I got the Quervin's sinusitis. Just do this. Hold this splint in. We just need to build the muscle back up. All right. Fine. That makes sense. And that was one of the few times I've been to a, like a, a medical expert and go, oh, right. I understand this kind of makes sense. When you get to physicians, I, I think it becomes even more sketchy. Not that they're not useful and they don't know anything, but you know, how do you know at what level this thing is, this sort of 
um, you know, chemical substance should be in my blood at this level, you know, what's high, what's low. That isn't obvious. Um, and so uh, medical health there is um, is, is 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 not not obvious in a way that I think surgeons to a large extent um, do. I suppose this is another reason why I would uh, approach uh, medicine in such a way as I, I would tend to always opt for the least invasive option, uh, depending on the context, obviously. Uh, but my default position would be going do as little as possible because basically your body knows what it's doing is in a sort of an uh, sort of a metaphorical sense. Um, do as little intervention as necessary uh, because there's kind of things you don't know you don't know and you could cause some uh, greater problems I mean so for example with that an obvious one is uh, when they used to get rid of appendixes all the time oh the appendix is a vestigial organ nah evolution was useless don't know what that is get rid of it but now they know it uh, regulates bacteria in the gut now still doesn't mean you shouldn't get rid of an appendix at a certain point but the problem thing is when they started just ripping them out for no apparent reason well for very sort of relatively minor reasons it's like uh, probably wasn't the best idea. And so I think you're going to get this uh, with uh, human body medicine. But um, when it comes to experts, though, as a, as a more specific point in respect to uh, vaccines, which I think is interesting, um, I really have very little faith at all in the quote unquote public health experts. Um, why? Because nobody will tell me no one will give me a self-report system on the internet that I can put all my risk factors in and go, what is my probability of being hospitalized? What is my probability of dying um, if I catch coronavirus? Nobody will tell me. And nobody will tell me um, what the uh, potential problems of a vaccine may be. Now, it might not have any, but anecdotally, there are lots of problems thereafter. Now, whether it's caused by the vaccines is the question, go no but the thing is they won't even tell me and so this is another thing when it comes to experts if an expert won't tell me why they are advocating something i think that's a perfectly reasonable uh a reasonable position to take is i don't believe you if nobody can actually tell me why you think i should do something uh and it not in, in its uh and why it's in my interest if you can't do that i'm like yeah, no, I'm not going to believe you. And um, this um, just seems to be the way it's taken uh, in medical things for a while. We well, just trust the experts that just do what they tell you. It's like, well, why? Uh, well, because I kind of don't necessarily trust everybody. Um, so I, I think that's a, a big red flag when it comes to trusting the experts. Oh, and, and especially when uh, vaccines are said, oh, you should take this vaccine because you can go to the cinema and you can do fun things. It's like, I thought the vaccine was about health. Oh, apparently isn't. Um, and so even if I were minded to take one, I'm like, well, you're pretty much propagandizing me to do it for reasons other than health. Mm, that probably means it's not really about health, is it? So I won't take one. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I maybe I'm just too contrarian for my own good, but like Tim, is what, what's your response when they uh, when they say, "Oh, you should take something," but we won't tell you why it's good for you? What, what, what's your reaction to that kind of stuff? I also might be too contrarian for my own good, uh, but I would say that this is where this is where skin in the game matters, um, which is another Talebian contest. If they do the actual procedure, then you have more confidence in there. And to the credit, most of the people who took this thing have posted on Facebook them taking it. Now, we can presume they got the real thing and get saline solution, uh, which is some people. But um, uh, so if skin in the game might be a qualification for that. You know, one of the things Talib said is that, like, you know, when they force helicopter mechanics to take uh uh, you get a, now this is an empirical study you determine this insight so there is a certain back problem but helicopter mechanics uh, service helicopters better if they're required to take test rides um, um, in it. Um, that, that's an interesting uh, pickup I got from Taleb so now on, on the bigger things we're sort of we're all sort of uh, for better or worse included in the process uh, then it becomes much more difficult to determine because you don't have skin in the game uh, there. You know, if, if, if the people, you know, if the people, this also comes up in the smoking debate, if people, 
you know, many of the many of the smoking, many of the executives and people, scientists who did the smoking did actually smoke. Now, I have a very neutral view on smoking. Uh, do I think pregnant women should smoke? But that's probably no. Um, do I think smoking is who just is? I think it's vastly overrated. Uh, 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 and actually coffee drinking has probably replaced that, which may actually be worse. Um, 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 so that, but then again, vaping has replaced, uh, is coming back too. So it's an interesting comeback. It has a sort of relaxing thing. Um, so this comes back to the no trade-offs, no solutions, just trade-offs. Uh, so yes. So yeah, medical professionals are terrible. Um, um, I have a very low view of them. Uh, uh, I don't, let me see. And the, the recent events have just sort of made, drop them in to me in the toilet, um, uh, into the toilet, so to speak. Uh, so th those are, those are my thoughts on that. I, I don't trust them, but uh, you know, for anyone who's debating it at some point, you know, it's probably not the hill to die. It's probably the hill to die on. That's not, it's probably not a hill worth dying on it considering the number of people have taken it. Um, but you know, who knows what's going to happen with that? I mean, that's, that's a very, that's a very vague, it's a vague, very vague thing. Um, but I think a further unmasking of the state um, and, you know, the various uh, apparatuses of it uh, needs to continue. Um, and then for that reason, the past 18 months have been great at it. Uh, for the most part, you could argue that informal state power has grown significantly, but also, and, and I view state medical authorities as a vest, as a as a version of that. I know some normie conservatives will say I'm a postmodernist for saying that, but I think it's entirely the case. You know, when, 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 you know, when, when public health becomes a political issue, then it, like that's, then it is a political issue. Then, it, then, then health is political in some, in some way. Um, it's not, there's not some sort of venue where it's just, you know, we have these sort of platonic uh, lectures here. Uh, uh, so th those are my views on that. Uh, moving on to it, I'd like to ask you a question. What do you make of the skin in the game test um, for experts? Uh, uh, again, you can't have this in other in, in lots of realms. You can't have this in lots of realms. Uh, Ron Paul, you know, would say that, you know, if you want to advocate war, you sort of have to be involved in the war in some way. You have to have your son. I think that was one of the, I think the Romans or the Greeks used to have this view that, you know, if you're going to advocate for war against the Persians or whoever, um, um, you need to, you yourself need to go lead the army there to do it. Now that that's actually sort of honorable in a certain neat, neat way. Um, 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 but there's many areas where that's not, you know, if you're sick, there's no way the doctor can make him sick with your exact problem and do the treatment. So there is certain ways that might be, I'm just giving an impossible standard. Uh, but what do you make of skin in the game? That's an interesting solution to this problem, but it also in many areas doesn't. Well, skin in the game is, is, is essential. Um, I mean, this is the problem primarily of uh, public health as such, is the public health officials, they have no skin in the game at all, none whatsoever. Um, if things go wrong, they go, well, you know, it's best we could have known at the time uh, because, again, it's all made in statistical modelling and it's just prediction. It's not actually solving a problem that you can see. Someone's got a problem. This is a solution. And it's definitely, I mean, if you're a doctor and everyone goes to you with a broken toe ends up dead, you kind of go, well, probably don't go to the doctor uh, and he'll lose business and uh, he'll be out of the game. Uh, so skinny games is essential, and it's just the obvious fact that anybody tied in with the state has very little skin in the game to the extent to which, well, the extent to how high they are. I mean, the worst thing they can, what they, they could in principle lose their jobs, but when they're making these decisions, they won't typically. And if they do, they'll just be moved elsewhere. Uh, on the politicization point, uh, Matt Ridley commented uh, recently, he spoke to a scientist that he knew, and he said, oh, do you think there's ever, do you think it's likely that the coronavirus came out of a lab in uh in wuhan and he was like yeah uh matt really said well are you going to tell anybody about this he's like no i'm not because uh everybody knows that going off script basically means well maybe not exactly career ending activity um but um is not going to uh help your chances of ascending a bureaucracy or staying there for a particularly long time period um, so that sort of sort of anecdote, which may be untrue, but I have little 
I haven't known Matt Ridley to be untruthful in the past, so you know I I, I might trust him on this. Um, and so yeah, you, your comment before yeah, it's it's entirely politicised when you get to a government uh, position. So people I knew before, uh, like in March, in like February, said, "Oh no, coronavirus, nothing to worry about, just a normal, just a flu, it's nothing, calm down." And then when the people above them said, "It's the new Black Death." They then started ringing the church bells. Um, I know this is another thing which is, uh, I object to, sort of like the experts in the medical establishment, is most of them just do what they're told. Because that's how they've learned it up in the medical establishment, just being told, being, doing what they're being told by other people. And another thing as well, when I was at university, most of the medical students I knew weren't very clever. I mean, they can remember things and, you know, they probably do a decent job. That's fine. But that's no real difference being a car mechanic um, in a certain sense. But when you're getting, um, you know, some some more difficult questions about, you know, counterfactuals and stuff like that, that's not really their thing. So whether they are actually sort of relevantly experts to, to comment in these areas is, is, is not obvious. Um, so. Yeah, skin in the game is 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 vital, and things based on computer models and stuff. Those people just don't have skin in the game. In like, since when have you had someone from the inter inter oh what's it intergovernmental pa- um, panel on climate change get uh, publicly humiliated because his um, estimation of the increase in average world temperature was like massively higher than it actually ha- well, actually was? Never happens. Um, and so uh, I think what you've got here, especially with lockdown-y stuff, epidemiology and things, is it's just computer modelling, it's counterfactual claims, which can always say that it wasn't their fault, did it the best they could, and they never feel any real consequences for it. And so um, they, you know, I, I have very little reason to believe them. Speaking of counterfactuals, I want to add, I want to extend this claim. This is also true of political scientists and, you know, international relations and State Department type people. Um, you know, you mentioned Donald Rumsfeld and Donald Rumsfeld's the, the sort of genius of, of that speech um, is, you know, it's in some ways it's 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 the perfect speech. Um, it's in some ways the um, there's no scenario in which. Um, uh, the, his advice on invading, uh, uh, he, there's no evidence of weapons of mass, death. there's no link uh, between in, in the two various countries there, um, was the sort of precise text of the speeches roughly, um, is is there's almost no scenario in which war for in his pers- in his viewpoint wouldn't be the correct approach. You know, even if there wasn't weapons of mass destruction there, okay, um, then you should still invade because there might be. We have to go. We have to invade to make sure we know that there isn't there. So even if the intelligence is isn't it was entirely faulty or it was entirely correct, you still have to invade. Um, you know because there's the threat that it could be weapons of mass or there could be the elements of there. Um, so so that that those type of counterfactual claims for intervention. Uh, you know, again, this borders on a philosophy problem um, that gets manifested in the real world. Uh, so, so I mean, to be fair, to, in, in a way, even though they're very rarely fair to us, to the interventionistas like Rumsfeld, like the Fauci's and the the the, the Fergusons, um, um, when they want to intervene in things, you know, they they, I mean, maybe it would be the case that you know, uh, the the Every city in the Europe and the United States would have 10 buildings knocked down by terrorists from Baghdad and um, um, Kabul. Okay, maybe that'd be the case if Donald Rumsfeld's invasion didn't happen. You know, all the tall buildings in, in every major city would have been knocked down. Um, but I, I don't know. I don't know if that's a likely scenario. Maybe it was a one-off thing. Um, maybe Alex Jones is right and it was the CIA did it. Uh, maybe the far right is right, and even more unsavory allegations are correct, um, which interestingly align with other far left uh, viewpoints. But nonetheless, maybe maybe that maybe that maybe that would have been the case. Maybe all the buildings, um, you know. Okay, then then thanks Donald Rumsfeld for saving all the tall buildings in, in in the world, or thanks 
uh, uh, what's his face, uh, Fauci, for, you know, saving us from ourselves. Um, I, you know, but is that a likely, is that a likely outcome of this? Well, let's look at, um, let's just look at various states in the United States or various countries in Europe, like Belarus or Nicaragua. Did, did, did death and destruction come? No, no. So in this regard, the counterfactuals, you may want to grant the sort of peskiness of the philosophy of science, of the philosophy in general, you know, um, you know, the, you know, the philosophy of analysis in general, you want to grant them as the fairest, most charitable version. They don't even seem to answer, answer those. Uh, and in some ways it might be answering the counter thing. So international relations, um, there is a possibility that terrorism might've increased and actually the United States and the, or, you know, Britain and France are actually worse off because of various migrations and various other things that were all effects of that. Um, so this is an instance where the doctors and the experts made things worse. And not only worse, they made it they worse, and it was expensive worse. So there's huge, you know, in the Bastiat terms, the seen and unseen, you know, think of all the things, think of all the people that, you know, you know, died, the million people that died in various wars over there. If they were still alive, or the various people in the United States and Britain that were still alive, or those two whatever, $6 trillion went to, I don't know, fund something else, or just people didn't have to work as much and could just sit at home, um, that would be great. Um, so that also applies to doctors. You know, you know, you know Stad Russell was on, had a, with, I'm not sure if it's Thomas Saz, but Thomas Saz influenced person. He was interviewed with the errors of psychologists and those, like, those type people. And he said, you know, Thad Russell was saying that you know, he spent thousands of dollars on you know, this sort of psychology, and you just use it, uh, uh, therapy, I forget what the precise term is, you just use them as charlatans. Um, so, I mean, in some ways, for the, the Sam Cedar types, the state, you know, you know, uses its influence, for whatever it's worth, to, like, sanction snake oil salesmen, in a way, uh, you know, so, yeah, the FDA sanctions snake oil salesmen. I'll, I mean, I'll take the private snake oil salesman over the, the public snake oil salesman, uh, they they at least can be held accountable. So those are my comments overall, with respect to philosophy and Donald Trump's self. That sounds very similar to Hopper's uh, private slaveholder being better than the public slaveholder. Uh, he, he has much more to lose. I was thinking of the same thing. I was hoping you'd... <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, the private guy can't brutalise his slave too much because he could sell him. Whereas the public guy doesn't really own him. He's just, sort of, just renting him. So he does what he wants. can't sell him. There's no... No real reason to keep him um, keep him in decent nick over a long time period because you know, just rent it. Um, so yeah, um, I think that um, you know, experts. This is just a closing statement. I do think experts are useful, but the question is what are they useful for? And even when you have expert opinion that doesn't tell you what you should do. There's certain factors you need to know that are only known to you to decide, determine what you ought to do. Uh, and so we need to be quite judicious in, you know, which information taken and which is relevant. I'd also point out here that being an expert does not mean that um, you have lots of letters after your name or you're in a, a university department. I mean, you read it and you go, you know, does this guy make sense? You know, does does this argument ring true? Now, obviously, you may not have uh, identified a fallacy, but this is where you look at other people and go, OK, they've responded to him. And this is what annoys me about the whole coronavirus stuff is why don't you have a public debate between Jay Bhattacharya and a lockdown supporter? Now, this may have happened, but I'm not aware of it to see, you know, the strongest case against what they're doing. And have this in public so people can be reasonably assured. Oh, actually, no, this is the right one. This J guy is crazy. The reason is because they would lose. <laughs> well, obviously, they would lose. Um, but the fact that people don't do this um, is, um, I think, a big black mark against them. The same thing like, oh, no, we can't have them. We can't have him in debate because he's racist. It's like, well, if he's obviously racist, you could, you know. You could have him up there and you could realize that he's really bad and there's no one to listen to him. Ah, but then the people say, oh, nobody forgive him a the platform. Then uh, people believe him and they'll get more support. And 
To which I respond, I also, well, if that's true, hang on, is I, just, it? I just cut in one second. I also want to add that the same, I think they'd also lose on the climate change thing because even yeah. if they could win the empirical thing, then what do we do about it? Do we close down all oil production? I mean, what 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 exactly can be done? And you, you have to bring up like, are these people actually just primitivists at heart? And sort of, uh, you know, should we have nuclear power? So even if they can win the certain debates, and many of these people get annoyed when you point out the fact that they drive an SUV or Al Gore flies in airplanes, if you as a homin, or they'll point out like, oh well, I'm Neil Ferguson, I I could have I could go have sex with other people outside of my bubble. But no one else can. So they'll just interpret that as ad hominem. Um, um, and they'll say, well, you know, this position still is true that we should do it. Well, then you're sort of admitting that there are trade-offs. Um, so that's another annoying thing. They'd lose the debate if it was held in turn. And they do lose, in a way, people vote with their feet, so to speak. Uh, so, yeah, continue on, Swithin. Sorry for untrying the Oh, yeah, no, no, no. The site as a whole was not directed towards uh, public an acknowledgement of of truth it's just sort of hived off in certain departments and you know certain things are verboten um and you know you're not allowed to to, to say them uh it, it's basically heresy um and again that's another thing when um when an expert is completely dismissive of another school or doesn't even acknowledge its existence or whatever, I'm like, well, okay, do you really know what you're talking about here? Um, and then just flat out um, dismiss it. Um, it's not something that I'm going to go, oh, yeah, they're, they're, they're kind of reasonable. Uh, and, you know, they, they have evidence and argument and reason on their side, not to sort of sound like Stephen Molyneux. Um, so... I would say, you know, an expert, I mean, one of my trusted track record as well. But if it's advice for the future, you know, somebody who recognizes alternative views, someone who can say, well, that makes sense, but it's wrong for this reason. And and you can go, yeah, OK, he's he considered that. Yeah, it kind of makes sense. And the people against him, yeah, they're not as good. OK, believe him and put your money there. And again, that guy needs to have skin in the game. And if you do that, you know, the expert is probably going to be relatively less bad. But the extent to which you can't do that um, is 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 the extent to which the relative users. I mean, again, it's a medical one here. Uh, is uh, basically no one in medicine has any real idea of nutrition. At least that's my understanding from nutritionists. They just don't know anything about it. And so lots of things that could be sort of solved by uh, nutrition, uh, are eating better, etc., or vitamin supplements stuff. No idea. They 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 just believe what they're told and like a little uh, small section of medical school when they go that way. Um, and so, so so that's the problem. Oh, just on the climate change reminded me. Climate change is interesting. It's actually similar to uh, human health. There's an implicit assumption that there's an optimum average world temperature in the way that there's sort of like an optimum sort of human, average human like um, physiology. But the thing is, no one will tell me what the optimum world temperature is and why the funny thing is with a lot of these types will shout naturalist fallacy until the all the day long um when you will say well it's not natural for people to take a lots of medicine they'll say oh that's the naturalist fallacy you know you say you have a bias toward the natural but here here's a case where they're just sort of have this sort of goldilocks temperature of the earth in 1800 um you know maybe you know and again like it's there's various data that says otherwise. Again, I know the, what the official party line is, um, but, you know, it's a mystery, you know, and actually, and, and then when it comes to much longer ago, we're getting into a whole dearth of issues over there. So, like, I think this is a funny story, like, in, in, in like, lower Canada, for example, many of the people are like, hey, look, we'll get longer growing seasons, uh, if it's true, um, um, so which then says, wow, there are actually positive externalities toward this. And, you know, one way to do is one way to deal is we have two competing, you know, formal experts. You say take their take their two apocalypses and sort of like, well, if long COVID is a problem, yet everyone's going to be underwater in 20 years. What's to worry about long COVID? So <laughs> so one one ways or another way to go after these people, is just force them to take bets on their position on, uh, uh, you know, if, if they're not willing to put their money where their mouth is. 
um, you know, uh, uh, or they'll have to either say, well, you're, or they'll have to say your bet is somehow just special pleading or something like that, or is unfalsifiable. But again, in a way, that's a win. If they say, well, this is not something that we can actually determine, then you're, then you're sort of upfront admitting that you can't really determine. Uh, so I, I would say that that those are a win. But keep on going. Sorry to interrupt again, Swithin. No, that's 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 perfectly fine. I I I think I've kind of come to the end um, of uh, of what I have to say here. Really, I mean, it's just, and this is in general, nobody. I suppose you could argue that the approach of the experts, who self-described experts today, is uh, elitist in a bad way. They kind of think that there is no way that you, anybody who isn't trained in their world could possibly have an informed view on things. In a way, isn't it, it gives an epistemological question. It actually relates actually to the hyper-specialization in sciences and things you have today. Is the idea, well, the only way you can know anything is if you're a real sort of deep empirical expert. And there's a disdain for generalism, uh, which I think is false, and I think is a result of faulty sort of um, epistemological views, that really you, you just have a, um, an extreme sort of empiricism and the only people who know what to do are the ones in an area, the ones who've done all the big maths and all the, um, the studies in those areas who know anything because sort of logic, induction and sort of uh, general reasoning are, are, are really unimportant. Uh, and, and I think that's how you get sort of the cult of the expert who sort of refuses to engage. Uh, with sort of like the intelligent layman, as it were, uh, and all highs behind maths and rather than using language. Uh, but yeah, those, those those would be sort of my final thoughts. Tim, any final comments? Let's just make one quick final comment. I do think there, are, as I, I say it again, I do think there are experts. Uh, I mean, again, if I break a leg, I will go to the doctor, so to speak, um, and get it fixed. So, you know, to, to point that out, I'll do that. Um, you know, Richard Dawkins was once complaining that, you know, you have creationist pilots. It's like, you know, it's worth pointing out, Dawkins, that, you know, when the Wright brothers first took off, um, almost by default, everyone was a creationist uh, by default. So so there's certain epistemological sort of big theses, which are totally irrelevant to actually knowing things or not knowing things um, uh, 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 on experts or non-experts. Um, so like a lot of like dissident, you know, that's one thing that David Berlinski was pointing out that uh like a lot of like climate change, uh, skeptical like uh whatever they actually work for um, uh, various other like private sector firms. Um, so someone views them as having expertise. So I do think there are experts, um, but a lot of things a lot of things are just not really worth knowing or are irrelevant. And of the things that we do know, and are worth relevant are relevant. Uh, uh, it's not. It doesn't. It doesn't really matter. I mean, whether there's eight planets or nine planets is a sort of uh, it, it is either a categorization or a word dispute, or or is it just no consequence? Uh, uh, I mean, of no foreseeable uh, consequence. So people people know what they need to know um, to get by. Whether there's extra knowledge out there, uh, then the interventionist has to sort of have a stronger case uh, uh, to go against the. Uh, the sort of current existing or the non-interventionist case, not the it's not the other way around. Um, you know, you have to, the doctor has to explain why uh, you think he is uh, a good idea, uh, why you think he's a good idea to intrude into your body, not the other way around. Explain to me why I shouldn't intrude in your body. That 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 to me is sort of discourse as violence type thing. <laughs> it's, well, that's state authority. Um, um, as violence and most and hilariously enough most of the um and this is how useless so many uh people on the left are is they all are basically swore fealty to it um you know uh, so yeah i mean, in this way it's very it's very very dark and depressing currently but those are my but and i'm not going to a psychiatrist to fix that problem either um they would just probably call me um uh, a cult member or whatever. But those are my final comments. So it's a very, very nice discussion here. Thanks for doing it. Thank you for joining us. Oh, just one thing as well. Uh, there was a recent study came out saying that actually, you know, like uh, PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder and depression stuff 
aren't actually illnesses you know they're just sort of uh helpful responses to certain stimuli and so you're not actually like there's not actually something wrong with you if you you suffer from these and it's like well why did you think to begin with that that was necessarily a problem it was probably because you had the idea that there's a normal functioning that you should always attain to uh and uh you've imported some sorts of other people um now obviously would i want to be in a position where i was permanently depressed well no and then well, there's ways and means of getting around that but it's kind of the medicalization of kind of yeah uh, the the ptsd stuff is interesting because it it, it assumes that uh, because you take people who broadly grew up in peaceful ish backgrounds and then send them off to a violent war um this this occurred in many different societies um and then they come back they sort of can't quite fit in uh it's sort of an interesting sort of civilizational-esque uh, question. So then the medical professionals will try to medicalize it as a sort of defect. Now, of course, you could argue, and the same Taleb interested argued this positive effects of being under a high-stress environment, um, but it is it is a sort of, it is it is an interesting, you know, side effect of, of, you know, sending large amounts of people into violent situations who aren't normally involved in them. So th- 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 that stuff is extra interesting for a variety of levels. But yeah, I'll, this time I am going to stop talking. No, that that no, that that does make a, a lot of sense. Um, and and again, this is sort of the expertiseizing of things. Oh no, you just have these these wrong uh, levels of uh, endorphins in your brain. We can change this by giving you Ritalin and other things. Um, and in a way, there's a great level of hubris uh, attached to that. But I, I I I I've said enough. Experts are useful. The question is, what are they useful for? Skin in the game is important, and whether they're honest. Those would be uh, my general criteria, along with obviously the empirical verifiable situation of you fly a plane. Have you crashed before? No. How many times have you flown? A million times. Great. Fine. You can go on the, I'll go on a plane with you. No problem. Um, so, yeah. Now, I'd just like to thank everyone for listening. If you've enjoyed this, please share it with your friends and family. And please subscribe to us on Podbean or on YouTube. The more subscribers we get, the higher we get in the search rankings. And if you would like to contact the show for any reason, please contact us at mindcrimelibertyshow at gmail.com. That's my friend. Look the show. Thank you.